Well, welcome to the Believer's School of Ministry. I'm Tom Shanklin, and I'm so glad today to be with our friends in uh, Hyderabad, uh, Secunderabad, there's kind of like the Twin Cities in India there, Hyderabad, Secunderabad, uh, India, and uh, looks like their lights are going off and on there, but anyway, we're happy to be with them and uh, sharing from our Believer School of Ministry today. What a blessing from the Lord. Let's have a word of prayer before we begin. Yes. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, for the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ yes. with the people of the world. And we thank you for what you are doing for this class, how you are stirring your people up uh, to reach out to others. We just... Hearing good reports from the class already, Lord, and I thank you for that. Yes. I pray for each one that is listening, whether it be in Hyderabad or on the Internet throughout the world, that you would touch their lives, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit and make them to realize that they can be a witness for you, that you've called yes. us to be a witness and that we can do it if we'll just be encouraged a little bit, get a little training, and begin to step out that you will use our testimony and use our witness for you to reach others. Yes. We pray your blessing upon the class. We thank you for your anointing and your presence. We pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would be our teacher today and our guide. And we pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. 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 All right. Well, everybody good, give a good wave and praise God. All right. Praise the Lord. And I'm going to ask uh, I'm going to ask Pastor uh, Diva if he would just share about you know some of the testimonies of what uh, God has been doing in some of the students' lives uh, since we began the class. Last week we had this class about sharing your faith as a lifestyle, and some of us did a role role play and we shared gospel with each other in. Uh, we met here in between and uh, we had a role here. And then a couple of them at the school, uh, they shared uh, the gospel to their friends. Uh, one friend, uh, while having dinner in the college, he uh, shared uh, the gospel. Uh, as a friend with his classmate, he shared that Jesus uh, died for us. He became the sacrifice uh, because he loved us and he paid for our penalty. So we encourage uh, one of us who are afraid to share to others, but uh, they are making a statement that speak, they will try to share uh, to somebody else. They did role play here, but they will be going out and uh, sharing gospel uh, in this week. Yeah. Praise God and giving boldness, and uh, we are equipping ourselves to be able to uh, share about Jesus uh, in a simplistic way. Oh, that's awesome. That is really great news that, you know, you guys have, been taking those steps, and uh, as I shared with you earlier, you know, it's just, it, that's the way it works in the Christian life. You just take one step at a time, and the scripture said in uh, Psalm uh, 37, uh, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. You know that, I, I looked up that word good, in the, and I don't know how your translation reads there, but uh, in the original, that word could be translated valiant. So the steps of a valiant man or woman are ordered of the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. So be valiant, saints, and God will use you in a mighty way. Praise the Lord. All right, well, we're going to get right into our lesson today. It's, uh, it's called Nurturing New Believers. Nurturing New Believers. And the purpose of this lesson is to help God's people to cooperate with God's plan for nurturing new believers in the church. And this is really our function as the Church of Jesus Christ, uh, not only to come and learn ourselves and to receive fellowship ourselves, but to nurture others in the faith. And so this is really one of the most important lessons that you'll ever learn. And my prayer today is that you will catch the spirit of this message. Uh, as I was preparing to teach this and looking over the notes, uh, it occurred to me that there's so much material in this lesson that there's no way I'm going to be able to do it justice today unless we were going to have you stay all night. And I don't want to wear you out, so we won't do that. So we're going to kind of 
you know, skim over some things, you know, and, and just hit them very briefly. Uh, but I want to encourage you to go back over the lesson and use it as a study guide. And, of course, your homework assignment, as always, is to uh, go over the lesson, look up the scriptures in your Bible, think about them, and meditate on them, and let them get in your heart. So um, so I really want to encourage you to do that between now and the time of the next class, to uh, actually study this, the notes and open your Bible and read the scriptures. We just have the references in most cases. We don't have the scriptures written out, so... That'll be good for you to, to um, open your Bible in, in the version that you like the best and just read uh, what it says there and think about it, and I believe you'll get a lot more out of it. But what I want you to get out of this time, out of our time together, is to catch the spirit of this message. Because if you catch the spirit of the message, the rest will follow, okay? And, and the spirit of this message is that we in the church, we need to love and nurture people. We need to love and nurture people that come into our midst. We need to give them the teaching that they need. Uh, We need to give them the encouragement that we need, that they need. Uh, We need to make them feel at home, and we need to make them uh, feel a part of the fellowship uh, of of the church and be part of the gang. I don't know if that, that's kind of a colloquialism or a, uh, uh, a slang way of saying part of the group, you know. And uh, so it's very, very important what you do when people come in. And the job of making disciples is not only the pastor's job, but everyone in the church, you know, needs to be part of embracing people and loving people and helping people. And so I believe this, this message is going to be a great help to you. But as I said, I cannot go into all the details of this message because it would really take too long. But I encourage you, take the time on your own to study, and I believe you'll get even a lot more out of it. All right, first point. God compares the church to a nursing mother. Very interesting analogy in the scriptures. I'm going to read to you from Isaiah 66 verses 12 through 13 in the Amplified Bible. And by the way, for those that may be watching this online or listening uh, by a podcast, all the notes of what we're teaching here are online on our website. And I encourage you to get over there and grab the notes and and, uh, go along with us as we're teaching. And the other thing is, every time we teach, we want to encourage you to take these lessons and teach others. You know, Paul said, uh, the things that you have learned from me, teach to others who will also teach others. And so God wants this work to multiply. So there's no copyright on these uh, teaching notes. You've got your notebooks in your hands. So they're not only for you to use for yourself, but also to go and start your own believers ministry class. And so, and also, uh, some of you may want to translate this into your native language. I know that um, those of you that are there today, you can understand English. Uh, but, of course, a majority of the people in your area there uh, may not understand English that well. So someone could take these notes and translate them into Telugu and use them as a teaching guide to teach others. The first point is God compares the church to a nursing nursing mother. Reading from Isaiah 66, verses verses 10 through 13. Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad for her, all you that love her. Rejoice for joy with her, all you that mourn over her, that you may nurse and be satisfied from her consoling breasts that you may drink deeply and be delighted with the abundance and the brightness of her glory. For thus says the Lord, Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river, and the glory of the nations like an overflowing stream. Then you shall be nursed, you shall be carried on her hips, and trotted, lovingly bounced up and down on her God's maternal knees. As one whom his mother comforts, 
so will I comfort you. You shall be comforted in Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. So the Amplified Version there, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but that's an English version that amplifies uh, the scriptures. So what they do is they go into the original language, and instead of just giving a simple definition, they, they, they uh, elaborate a little bit on what the words mean. And uh, it's, it's not a, you know, a literal translation, but I found it to be very helpful as far as really digging into the original meaning of the scriptures. And I love this, the way that the Amplified Version brings out this portion of scripture in Isaiah 66, comparing Jerusalem to a nursing mother. Now, Jerusalem is a type of the church. When I read the Old Testament, uh, yes, I'm seeing what God said to natural Israel, but I'm also seeing what was in his heart for the New Testament church. And we know from other scriptures in the New Testament that God uses Jerusalem as a type of the city of God, the people of God, the church of Jesus Christ. So we as the church are like a nursing mother. You know, we know God as our father. Well, you kind of like to say the church is like the mother. We, you know, we bring forth children uh, through our witnessing, which we've been learning. We've been learning about witnessing and reaching out to others. And when we pray with others and they're born again, well, then we're kind of like their mother. We got to take care of them. And so, you know, this picture of a nursing mother, you know, uh, consoling her children with the, with the breasts and bouncing, uh, bouncing them up and down on, uh, on her knee, that's what we in the church, we need to do. We need to take care of people when they come into the church. And as we reach out to others and we share Jesus Christ with them and they make a decision uh, to follow him, well, that's just the beginning. We have to continue on, you know, and, and nurture them and develop them. And so it's a beautiful picture. Of course, it's not a literal thing, but it's a spiritual picture. So now let's talk a minute about the needs of a newborn child. Uh, I was watching a documentary uh, some time ago on uh, the public television station here in the U.S., and it was a documentary on children in in Africa. And... um, They stated that the first couple of years are the most critical to a child's development. Of course, there's a lot of orphans in Africa, a lot of children that have no parents and and, uh, need to be taken care of. And so they've studied what do they need to do for these children so that they'll grow and so that they'll be, um, they'll grow up properly. And they've discovered that they need proper nourishment during their, the time of their early, you know, when they first are born and when they begin to grow, they need nourishment. There's so many malnourished children. And uh, <clears throat> if they don't have that in the very early stages, uh, they'll become, uh, they'll have problems with their development and then they'll have problems throughout their whole life. And as I saw this, I was thinking about the church, how in the church we need to really Uh, be proactive and intentional about meeting the needs of these young babies in the church. And I'm not just talking about physical babies, but there could be someone that's 50 or 60 years old that comes in, but actually they're a baby in Christ. Well, they need to be cared for also, just like those little babies in Africa. And there was two things that they discovered, most of all, that that are needed, and they are, number one, proper proper food, okay, and secondly, love and care. So they found out that if they just feed these children, you know, here's your food, make sure they get it down their throats and, and eat, that's good for natural development, but the children not only need that, they also need that nurturing, loving, caring, and that's the picture that God gives in Isaiah 66 of a nursing mother. We need to really love people uh, when they're young Christians so they can develop healthy uh, lives and uh, be able to have healthy relationships. It's very, very important. And proper food, uh, 
course, includes what we call macronutrients, which is like protein and carbohydrates. Uh, as uh, well, this is one of my pet peeves with the folks in India. You know, it's a, it's all rice, rice, rice. Too many carbs, folks. And so we need not only car, uh, carbohydrates, but we also need protein and other, these major things. But then we also need what they call the micronutrients, which are like vitamins and minerals. That's part of a healthy diet. Well, likewise, we need a well-balanced diet for the young baby believers uh, when they come into the church. And, uh, of course, part of that's done from the pulpit by your... Uh, by your uh, pastors, but also everyone in the church needs to cooperate in nurturing people, especially, especially in terms of relationships. Because as your church grows, you know, it's it becomes more and more difficult for the pastors to relate to every person. So every one of you, as you grow in the Lord and you learn more from the Word of God, then you can also help to nurture new believers. All right. Uh, notice in the last paragraph there uh, on page 19, being a nursing mother is not an easy task. It can be demanding physically and emotionally. New babies and new believers are hungry, demanding, selfish, fussy, sensitive, easily hurt, envious, jealous, and sometimes they bite. <laughs> it can be frustrating, and it requires patience. You have to keep loving them, giving them milk, feeding them on the basics until they can grow and begin to feed on the Word themselves. So it's one of the things about uh, new believers, they need milk. And we see that in several places in the New Testament it talks about the milk of the word. Now, if we think about milk, a mother's milk, think of it this way. It's like pre-digested food. So the mother eats the food. She digests it inside. It's the same with uh, like the sheep that we have here on our farm, the same way. Milk is very easy to digest, easy to take in uh, in the stomach and Intestines don't have to be developed that much, and so that's why a baby can live on milk. Well, it's pre-digested food. So in other words, when someone is young in the Lord, they need someone to teach them. They need someone to give them the milk. Well, it has to be pre-digested food. That means you have to eat the food, which is the Word of God. You have to digest it and get it working in your own life, and then you can share it uh, with a young believer so that they can be nurtured in the faith. Everybody say pre-digested food. Pre-digested food. All right. <clears throat> so, um, one of the ways that we do this is through our example. And as we say there in the notes, some things are more caught than taught. Uh, probably in your own relationship with your pastors, there's been things that you have learned from them that maybe they didn't teach you from the Bible or maybe they didn't teach in the pulpit, but you learned by their example. And you say, oh, this is how you live the Christian life. Well, it's the same with all of us. We lead so much and we teach so much uh, by the example of our lives. And so uh, it's very, very important. Paul said uh, in... Philippians 4, 9, he said, Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and see in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. So Paul didn't say, just do what I tell you to do. He says, do what you see me doing. And so for every one of us, you know, we need to be an example uh, to the new believers through our lifestyle. And we need to teach them how to love. We need to teach them how to handle tough situations, how to handle criticism. We need to be mature ourselves so that we can help the young believer to grow in their faith. And by the way, every single one of us need to grow. 
You know, I've been walking with the Lord since 1977, so that means 40 years this year. And I'm still growing, and I have a long ways to go. So everyone needs to grow, and we, we need relationships to grow. We need people that can teach us, that can mentor us. Um, we need to learn from others who have gone down this path before us. So this is a very, very important principle of mentoring uh, that God uses in the body of Christ. And, and like I say, you know, yeah, a lot happens in the pulpit, but a lot of it happens just in relationship one-on-one. So catch a vision for being this type of person in the body of Christ, to be a mentor uh, to others. And it doesn't matter how young you are in the Lord, however, whatever steps you've taken, you can continue uh, to help others to take those steps too. There's always someone uh, behind you, you know, watching you and following you. And, you know, Paul made the amazing statement to those believers that, that he was ministering to. He says, follow me as I follow Christ. And, you know, that's a bold statement to say to someone, follow me. That's what Jesus did, you know, all the time on the earth. He was always going around saying, come and follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Well, Paul did the same thing. He says, follow me. But not really just me. Follow me as I follow Christ. So it's very, very important if we're going to have people following us, that first of all, we're following Christ. In other words, from our heart, we're doing what God wants us to do. Uh, we're getting things out of our life that don't belong there. Uh, you know, if we have addictions, we're moving away from those. If we have attitudes that aren't right, uh, if we're talking wrong, you know, we're changing those things in our life. We're repenting and, and we're growing closer to Christ. We're letting him minister to us and teach us how to grow and how to love people and how to walk in the spirit and all these things. So I want to encourage you to get a vision for yourself uh, in this area, to be a mentor to others uh, in the body of Christ. So here's some tips for caring for new believers, and we could say following up on visitors to our churches. Uh, we should have a genuine care for them, but also let them breathe. In other words, they, they have to, you know, they have to kind of be on their own too, you know, but and we're not going to control their every movement, but we're going to care about them and give them the advice that they need and the encouragement they need. Uh, we should give them the basics of the faith. As I mentioned, the macronutrients, you know, uh, the, the micronutrients, the vitamins and minerals, those are important. But the macronutrients are essential for life. You know, you, the child will not develop without protein without carbohydrates, you know, without some fat. Those are the macronutrients. Well, the macronutrients of the word are the gospel message, you know, and the basics of the faith, walking in love. And, and uh, you know, those, so those basic foundational things are really, really important for the young believer to lay a foundation in their life. Uh, we should progressively teach them uh, how to find answers into the word. Okay, in other words, uh, th that they wouldn't always be dependent on just teaching, but they could dig into the Word themselves and find the truth. And we should be there to answer questions for them. Uh, we should also share testimonies about how God has worked in our lives. These are the things that help uh, new believers. Uh, the process of... of uh, Discipling new believers is not always formal. It's not always in a class. Sometimes it's just hanging out, having lunch together, being friends, having fun. By the way, it's okay for Christians to have fun. I mean, we should have the most fun at all of all, man. We got we got Jesus in our life. The God of the universe is in our life. You know, we have wonderful fellowship and wonderful friendship. And so have fun, hang out, uh, bless one another. And in the process, there's a discipling that takes place. A man, a pastor friend of mine one time shared about his early days as a Christian and how there was an older uh, brother in the Lord that came over every day, just for, you know, just an hour or so every day after he got off work, this man would come over and just hang out with him, just spend some time with him. 
And uh, one day, my friend, the pastor, he's a pastor now, of course, then he was just a, a new believer, a young believer. And he, one time he said to this man, what is this speaking in tongues business? And so the older gentleman then explained to him about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues. And so then the young believer received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You see, a lot of these things just happen in relationship. As we fellowship with one another, spend time together. Okay, uh, next paragraph there. Use wisdom in your relationships with people of the opposite sex. You know, when you enter into a mentoring relationship, a discipleship relationship, uh, there's a bond that takes place, a closeness. And so because of that, you do need to be careful in your relationships with the opposite sex because sometimes those emotional ties... Uh, can become stronger than they should. And so uh, there is a scriptural basis for for women to disciple women and men to disciple men. Now, I don't think this, this needs to be a hard, fast rule that it'll never, you know, a woman will never minister to a man or a man will never minister to a woman. Jesus ministered to the woman at the well and uh, so forth. But I just want to put that warning out there. Be careful. You know, a lot of times the best thing to do would be to connect, you know, uh, say a young believer with an older brother, you know, a man, you know, if it's a man with a man so that we don't have that temptation because we're all human. And so there are fleshly temptations and then the devil can use those things uh, to cause problems in the church. So keep all your relationships healthy. Amen. And again, don't let this be what I'm saying here to be a bondage, but just just a cautionary um, area. You know, just be careful in that area because, you know, uh, there's very powerful emotions uh, that can come to play in this area. Okay, sometimes we need advice and help in knowing how to care for new believers. For example, my daughter's uh, baby was crying all the time, not sleeping at night. So a team of medical professionals checked her out, recommending changing her feeding program. Immediately it fixed the problem. The baby baby sleeps 11 hours. Of course, now she's much older. But at the time I wrote these notes, the baby would sleep 11 hours each night once uh, the mother learned how to properly uh, care for the child. So sometimes, just like my daughter needed uh, help with her baby, sometimes we need help in knowing how to care for uh, new believers. And that's why we're having this class, because we do need mentoring, training, encouragement. And we need to take time just to think about this and be intentional about it. Okay, we're going to go on to the uh, basic teaching that is needed to produce growth in new believers. Uh, these are the macronutrients, the teaching that new believers need. And, of course, this is relevant for pastors, uh, especially that to understand these things, but also for everyone in the body of Christ to recognize the need uh, for these foundational things. And, of course, the number one foundational thing is Jesus Christ himself. And 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 says, There is other, no other foundation that can be laid but that which is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the rock. And you know, Jesus said, I will build my church. Upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's in Matthew 16. And so... Uh, we need to recognize that everything is built on him. The church is all about Jesus. Uh, He is the head of the church. He is the savior of the body. Uh, He is the way, the truth, and the life. So so everything really goes back to Jesus. Uh, The foundation, he is the, the cornerstone of the foundation. And then number two here, we have mentioned the foundation of hearing and doing the Word of God. And again, in your study time, look at Matthew 7, uh, 21 through 27. That's where Jesus talked about building your house 
on the rock. And Jesus said, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I'll liken him to a man who built his house upon the rock. And the winds came and beat against it, and the house stood. So one of the most important foundations for every single one of us, these are things that we need to impart to new believers, is to, is to build your house on the rock. In other words, don't just read the Bible and um, say, gee, that was a nice teaching. Or don't li just listen to the pastor and say, wow, wasn't that a wonderful message the pastor had today? No. Think about what you heard and then put it into practice in your life. Because that's the way that your life will be built upon the rock, Jesus Christ. Not only by hearing, but also by doing the Word of God. And I was so encouraged to hear you all share that you've been putting into practice uh, what, we, what we're doing here in the classes, because that's what's going to make it real to you. It's not just hearing me, but it's allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart and then going out and begin to practice these things in your daily life. And I believe that these things are going to transform your church and transform your city. And, you know, for your church especially, your, your church has a, a, a DNA. Do you, know, do you all, all know what a DNA is? The DNA of a person is the genetic makeup. It's what they're made up of. And the DNA of your church is world missions. And so as your church grows and becomes stronger, you're not only going to touch Hyderabad, folks. You're going to touch the world for Jesus Christ. Can you all say amen? Amen. All right, then thirdly, the foundation of the apostles uh, in the early church. You can read about this in Acts chapter uh, 2, verses 37 through 42. What was it that Peter and the apostles taught new believers or people that wanted to come to the Lord? Well, Acts 2.38, he taught them, repent, number one, be baptized, every one of you, number two, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, number three. So these are foundational things. You know, when I first became a Christian, I was fortunate. The church I was in was not perfect. There was actually some problems there. But one of the things that they had that was so good was that foundation of repentance, baptism, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Those are foundational truths that should be in every believer's life. Everyone needs to repent and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. Be baptized in water. It's not an option. And be filled with the Holy Spirit. Man, if the, whole, if the whole church would just do those three things, man, we'd have a revolution all over the world. So that is a great foundation. And then the fourth thing I mention here is the foundation of the doctrines of Christ. Uh, you can read about them in um, Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. And that's where he talks about the foundation of Repentance from dead works, faith towards God, uh, the doctrines of baptism, uh, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. These are very, very basic things. Every church needs to be uh, reiterating these truths, teaching and reiterating these truth, truths all the time. Because without that, you have a weak church. So these are the foundational things that we need to intentionally think about as far as nurturing new believers in Christ. All right. Praise God. How, many, how are you all doing? Let me wave your hand if you're getting blessed today. Praise the Lord. All right. I know that it's, uh, it's 7.30 in the evening there. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of bright and cheery over here. It's... Uh, you know, it's about 9.30 or 10, so, uh, you know. But praise God, we are studying things that are life-changing. 
that are encouraging, that are revolutionary. Praise the Lord Jesus. All right, here's another thing that we need to do in in working with uh, new believers is to teach them how to have a devotional life. Some people call it a quiet time or a time with the Lord. Spending time with Jesus, there's a lot of names, but the basic idea is to have that interaction and that closeness with the Lord. And there's two primary areas. We can divide it into two primary things. Number one is prayer, and number two is the Word. Uh, Prayer is like breathing. Prayer is like breathing. Getting in the Word is like eating. And how many know every human being has to eat and also has to breathe? If you stop breathing, what happens? You die. You die. So if you stop praying, you die. You have to keep praying. You have to keep in the Word. You have to keep eating. You have to keep breathing. So, New believers need to understand this. And so we need to uh, encourage them in that and teach them how to do that. And, of course, part of that is through teaching, but also through example. I remember one time when I was a young believer, and I went to a meeting. I was very young in the Lord. And someone said, well, let's pray. And so we stood in a circle, and we held one another's hands, and we began to pray. Well, that was all new for me. But I can still remember that 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 it was a it was a uh, monumental time in my life that I experienced the presence of God with a group of believers there, and so today I experience God every single day, every single morning. I get up and spend time with Him in prayer and love Him and worship Him, and spend time in the Word of God, you know. And so we need to impart that to young believers by precept. And example. In other words, by teaching and by doing it and showing them how. So within prayer, life through prayer, uh, under that heading we have worship. You know, worship is a form of prayer. And Jesus said, uh, God is a spirit and them that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so the, the reference there is there, John uh, 4, 23, uh, 24. Uh, you know, it's not, we're not just in a, a religion. We're not just in a thought system. We're in a relationship with God. And a big part of that is just worshiping him because he's worthy uh, to be praised. You know, he is... This is such a neat relationship that we can have a relationship with God. Uh, but it's, it's uh, you know, he wants to be our friends. He wants to be our father. But he's to be honored and he's to be worshipped. And so we do that on Sunday. When we think of the word worship, we think of a worship service. But I worship God every morning when I get up. And, and I'll tell you, it is such a blessing to me. It's like, it's like new life every day that I can draw on God as I worship him. And... <clears throat> I love Ephesians five eighteen through 20, where he says, uh, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. See, we're, we're to live our lives filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine. Uh, you know, it's sad for me that for Christians that are involved with uh, alcohol, especially alcohol abuse or overuse or whatever, I, myself, I'm a non-alcohol user. I'm a teetotaler, and I'm happy about it. <laughs> I have no desire for it. Uh, but for sure, we should not be drunk ever. You know, so don't be drunk with wine, wherein is excess. But what? Be filled with the Spirit. See, the Spirit is so much better than alcohol. <laughs> no hangovers, folks. You can enjoy the presence of God, and it'll make you happy. You know, people drink alcohol to try to make themselves happy when the Holy Spirit will make you happy in a much better way. So much better. I love the Holy Spirit. So he says, don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. How? Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, uh, 
making melody in your heart unto the Lord. So the songs that you sing on Sunday uh, as you worship God, then sing them again during the week. Sing them in your private time with God. And you'll begin to enjoy his presence there just as you do in the church service. And then there's prayers of petition. These are things that you need in your life. You know, you need food, you need money, uh, you need help with your relationships. Sometimes you need healing. There's things each of us need. You know, in, in the Lord's Prayer, he said, Give us this day our daily bread. That's a petition. Lord, take care of our needs. And so there's nothing wrong with that. That is part of the Christian life, making petitions. And uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, uh, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. All right. And, of course, Mark eleven twenty four says, What things soever you desire... When what's what things soever you desire, see there again, it's okay to desire things, amen. That's not wrong. Now, if you desire something above God or you're coveting something that belongs to someone else, that's wrong. But if you're desiring food to feed your children, uh, that's a that's a normal desire, and you can petition the Lord and ask Him for those things. And what does He say? What things soever you desire, when you pray. Believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. So that's, we'll talk more about that later, but that's God's method uh, for receiving in prayer is to pray in faith. And then there's intercessory prayer. Uh, you can read about that in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 6, talking about interceding for leaders and all people, and that people would receive Jesus. And I'd like for you in your notes just to add Ephesians 6, uh, verses 18 and 19 there also. that's uh, We're on page 21 under intercession. Add those verses from Ephesians uh, where it talks about interceding for fellow believers. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 and 19. If you would just jot that in your notes. And then under the subject of prayer, there's also praying in other tongues. 1 Corinthians 14 tells us when we, when we speak in other tongues, we speak mysteries. Revelation knowledge comes forth from that. And Jude 20 tells us to build ourselves up in our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So we need to do that ourselves, and we need to share that with other believers uh, new believers, so that they can enter into that and be edified. And then there's life in the Word of God. I'm taking a little time with this because this is such an important area because new believers need to develop their own relationship with God. And so we need to teach them to have a quiet time and to get into prayer and to get in the Word on their own. So then there's life in the Word. And we mentioned reading. The Scriptures talk about reading um, Give attention to reading, Paul told Timothy. Then there's studying. Studying is digging deeper into the Word of God, comparing scriptures, maybe looking into the original languages. Uh, studying is an important thing for a worker. He says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a worker that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. So, of course, this is a big part of the pastor's job to study, to divide the word, to give clear, sound doctrine. But all of us need to grow in that as well. And then there's confession and meditation of the word. And we give the scripture references. By the way, first it should be 1 Timothy 4.15 instead of 14 there. So change that in your notes under meditation. 1 Timothy 4.15 it says, meditate on these things, give yourself wholly to them, that your profiting may appear unto all. In other words, uh, what's going on in your inward life will be reflected in your outward life. And how does that happen? By meditation. So these are different ways to relate to the Word of God. Of course, we read the Word of God, uh, we study the Word of God, 
but it's when we meditate that it actually gets down into our heart. And by meditate, I mean think about, roll them over in your mind. You know, you may read the Word of God in the morning, but you can think about it all day long. You can think about, okay, how do I practice this? And you can, you know, you can see yourself practicing it. For example, you might read in the morning, in your devotional time in the morning, uh, you might read where it says, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And so you go and do your job. Maybe it's driving a taxi. Well, all day long, you can think about laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. You can picture that in your mind. You can roll it over and you can imagine yourself doing that. And you can pray about who can I pray for? You know, how can I do this? And that will begin to work in your heart. So that's meditation. And then finally, when it comes to the word, it's practicing. And we've kind of emphasized that today. Be not only hearers of the word, as it said in James 1.22, but be doers also. Okay, as I said, we're not going to be able to cover everything in here, but I'll kind of go quickly over some of these, the remainder, remaining items here. And uh, first of all, the understanding of the Bible. I know uh, many times I've been led just to share this with people because a lot of folks, even if they're Christians, they don't really understand the Bible. I mean, uh, it's like, it's like uh, we have a saying, you can't see the forest for the trees. You know, if you get in the middle of a, of a forest, you don't really have a picture of the forest because you need to get back from the forest on a big hill and look at it from a distance to see what the forest is really like. And sometimes that's the way it is with uh, the Word of God. We've got, you know, we know what it says in John 3.16, but we don't understand the big picture of the Bible. So just a basic understanding of, of the books of the Bible and so forth, the divisions of the Bible, is something that's good uh, to help new believers to understand what they're involved in. And of course, new believers, sometimes they'll say, you know, somebody will give them the Bible and they'll say, okay, and they'll start reading in Genesis and that's okay. But then they get over into Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy and they don't, they don't understand, you know, what, what's going on. So um, we need to give them the big picture, you know, so they understand the big picture uh, of the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so they can, you know, primarily dig into the New Testament. A new believer should really focus primarily uh, their reading and studying in the New Testament. A lot of people recommend a new believer start in the Gospel of John. I think that's good. Uh, but we'll talk more about that later. All right, so there's, um, there's, there is, as I said, two divisions in the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament pertains to before Jesus and it primarily deals with the nation of Israel. And Israel is so important. See, you and I, we're not Jewish. We're not from that nation. But you see, it was Israel uh, which brought forth Jesus. And God dealt with the nation of Israel, the descendants of Abraham, uh, in preparation for what he was going to do through Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the seed of Abraham. And so, see, the Old Testament is very, very significant, very, very important. And all the ideas, really, of the New Testament, Jesus Christ, they're all in the Old Testament, too. But they're made much more clearer in the New Testament. So the, the, uh, there are some different sections, just to mention. In the Old Testament, what's called the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible, or they could also be called the books of Moses. It all pertains to Moses and his life, uh, the giving of the law, and so forth. And then the next section of the Bible is the history. And maybe Pastor Deva can go over this with you and give you a little more detail. Uh, but then we have the poetic section of the Bible. That's like Job, Psalms, um, Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastics, Proverbs. These are the what's called the poetic and wisdom books. And of course, Psalms was a song book for Israel. And many of them were written by David. 
And then after those, after the Poetic and Wisdom books, we have uh, the Prophets and everything from, uh, you know, Isaiah and, and Daniel and Jeremiah. And, and these are some of the major, what we call the major prophets. Actually, they're all major, but uh, those fellows had bigger books. And then after that, we have what they call them the minor prophets. They're not really minor, but the books are shorter. And so all those books are, are prophets. They're anointed uh, men of God who had the word of God in their mouth and wrote them down for us to read. And those can contain many prophecies uh, of Jesus Christ. And so then we move over into the New Testament. The last uh, prophet was Malachi. And then there was about 500 years. There was no prophetic, no uh, scriptural writings. But then Jesus came. And so then we have the story of Jesus' life in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's called the Gospels. And then, of course, <clears throat> it's not in the notes there, but then we have the book of Acts, which is the story of the, the early church. I better make the, get that in my notes. You should write that too. Acts is after the gospel, which is the story of the early church. I love the book of Acts. Pastor uh, Deva has been meditating on the book of Acts because we want to be a book of Acts church. Can I have an Amen. Amen. And then after the book of Acts, we have uh, the epistles, or we could say the letters. These are the letters of Paul, uh, the letters of Peter, and others who wrote letters to the church. Okay, So these are really the only part of the, the Bible that was written with the intention of writing directly to the church. Uh, of course, the Gospels were for the, for the church also, but also for the world to know about Jesus. But the epistles were letters that were written to churches specifically. And then the final book of the Bible is a, another prophetic book, which is called the book of Revelation, which the Bible says, if you read it, you'll be blessed. Amen. And don't ever change it. Yeah. <laughs> Can I have an amen? Amen. Amen. All right, then we go into teachings for growth and maturity. And, uh, you know, we are to grow up. So just turn to your neighbor and, and tell them to grow up today. <laughs> so just like a baby, they're not supposed to stay on the milk their whole life. They're supposed to get off the milk, get on solid food. They should become, go from being a baby to being a child from child to being an adolescent, from being an adolescent to being a mature man or woman. That's what our believers need to do. That is the uh, vision that God has. And God wants us to not just to be taught, taught, taught all the time, but also to become teachers, which is what we're encouraging you to do. All right, so we can grow in grace by growing in the knowledge of Christ. Um. Uh, by the way, the reference there where it says First Peter 1, uh, 1 through 4, that should be Second Peter. If you would change that under growing in the knowledge of Christ on page 21, change it to Second Peter 1, 1 through 4 in your notes. Okay? Because that talks about add to your faith virtue, uh, to your virtue, uh, brotherly kindness, charity, and so on. These are things that we need to add. We need to grow in grace. Uh, becoming a spiritual rather than a carnal Christian. Paul talked about to the church at Corinth. He says, you're still carnal. You're babes in Christ. You know, see, you can be saved. You can be born again. But you're still carnal. Or in other words, fleshly. You're living out of your fleshly desires, uh, your fleshly reasoning. And so as we grow in Christ, we're to become what? More spiritual. And when there's divisions in the church and strife and problems, it's a sign that we're immature and we need to grow up. And another area is understanding spirit, soul, and body. First Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, verse 23, talks about, I pray that your whole spirit, 
soul and body be preserved blameless to the coming of the Lord. So here again is another area. And again, I'm impressed by, in this lesson, <laughs> how much teachings in here that, see, each one of these things could be a whole lesson. So I'm just giving you an overview. But we do need to understand that as human beings, we are a spirit. We have a soul and we live in a body. The spirit is the part of us that contacts God. Our body does not contact God. Our minds do not contact God directly. But our spirit can live in communion with God. And then our mind can get the signal. So understanding spirit, soul, and body helps you to understand that when you're born again, it's your spirit that comes alive to God. But you still have a soul. You still have your thoughts, your emotions, this inward part of you that needs to be changed, that be, needs to be renewed. And that's why the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, uh, verses 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So your spirit, when you accept Jesus, your spirit is immediately made new. But your body and your mind need to be, your body needs to be uh, consecrated to God. Your mind needs to be changed. And only the word of God can change your mind. All right, then we're on uh, page 22. We're trying to move very fast here. Uh, putting on the new man in your daily life. The Bible tells us in Ephesians, and here again I've got uh, need to change the reference there. It should be Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. And by the way, those of you that are catching this and writing it down after the class, please make sure that uh, the others... Uh, get those references changed in their notes so that when they study, they're studying the right scripture verses. So Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24, it tells us to put off the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitfulness, deceitful lusts, and then put on the new man. So this is the transformation in our lives. Some people think, well, I had, a, I had an evil desire. I must not be born again. No, that's just your flesh and you're going to have that as long as you're on this earth. And so that doesn't mean you're not born again. It just needs, needs you need to repent and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. See? And then another area that's very powerful is praying the prayers that are in Ephesians. There's two prayers that Paul has in the book of Ephesians. One in uh, Ephesians chapter 1 verses 15 through 23 which is basically a prayer for revelation, that God would give you revelation in your life, that he would teach you. And then Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, which is, uh, in short, a prayer for strength. Every believer needs revelation and strength. Okay? Uh, then we have comprehending the role of repentance and forgiveness and holiness for the Christian believer. And we've got some good references there you can study on repentance. And this is something that needs to be rediscovered in the church. <laughs> and uh, we need to repent and turn to God. And it's not a one-time thing. And then renouncing all ties to spiritual and physical wickedness. You know, many people that we minister to, if they came from a, a, a background and a religion that involves some demonic things, they need to renounce that. If they've been worshiping idols, they need to renounce that and say, I no longer worship idols. Now I worship Jesus. See, make that, re renounce it with your mouth. You know, say, no, I choose to follow Jesus. I renounce the idols. I renounce the witchcraft. I renounce the occult. I renounce the addiction. You know, and so these are areas that are uh, help that will help new believers to get free and go forward. 
Another teaching is developing our faith. And uh, there we have Romans chapter 10, verse 17. And uh, I'm not sure why Romans 4, 1 is there. You can scratch that out. It doesn't really fit that I can see. But Romans 10, 17 does because it says, Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How do you develop your faith? By hearing the word of God. And then another important teaching is putting on the armor of God. It talks about that in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 19. Walking in love. 1 Corinthians 13 is a very, very important teaching for all of us. Walking in love. We're not supposed to just love those that love us. We're not supposed to just love those that treat us right. We're to walk in the Jesus style of love. Can I have an amen today? Amen. And then uh, developing healthy human relationships. Ephesians chapter 5 verses 21 through um, chapter 6 verse 9 deals with relationships. Relationships are very important to God. First of all, our relationship with Him, then our relationship with our spouses, our children, uh, the people that we work with, and so on. It's all very, very important. Praise God. And there's good teaching in the Word of God uh, concerning that. And then I say here, enjoying our relationship with God. Don't let it just be all about duty. Oh, I've got to do my devotional. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. You know, it's like a, it's like it can become like a religious taskmaster. You know, oh, I've got to do better. No, just relax and enjoy the Lord. You know, he'll he'll change you if you let him. So, enjoy God. Enjoy life. Just turn to your neighbor and say, "Come on, enjoy life." And then tell tell him, enjoy God. All right, and then again, one of the most important areas is uh, learning about who we are in Christ. And this is really a process of just figuring out, what does the Bible say about us? Who are we in Christ? Well, we're new creatures. We're the righteousness of God. We're children of God. We're heirs of God. We're accepted in the Beloved. We're one spirit with the Lord. I mean, each one of these could be a message. (laughs) And we're walking in the fruit of the recreated human spirit. And there's scripture references there that you can study. And then finally, as we say there in the notes, Satan is going to make his play for the lives of the new believers. It may be through temptation of sexual immorality or greed. Uh, It may be through an offense towards other scriptures. Many many people drop off the map because of offense, you know, uh, with other, with other, towards other believers. It's very, very, um, one of Satan's big tactics. Uh, it may be through condemnation. They do something wrong and then they're defeated and they give up. Uh, we need to help them to protect themselves from the onslaught of the enemy and to become overcomers in life. And I guess one other temptation which kind of molds in and meshes with the others is disappointment. Uh, maybe someone prayed for some something and for some reason uh, it didn't turn out the way they thought it should. They didn't feel like God you know, helped them in a situation. It may be disappointment in relationship with another Christian or, or uh, a marital relationship or with a pastor. But disappointment can be a big thing. And so we need to help believers to understand how to a deal with disappointment because uh, God has a remedy for disappointment and it really goes back to your personal time with the Lord just hearing from him he will give you the answer and he will help you uh, to deal with disappointment in your life and so these are temptations that all of us face but as you're working with new believers help them overcome these things praise the Lord so again, your assignment. Uh, by the way, have you all been doing your homework? Doing your assignments, uh, reading the scriptures from the lessons? 
How many? Is that a yes? All right, good. So your assignment is to go through this lesson, look up the scriptures in your own Bible, read them, and think about them. And then uh, tonight, I'd like for you to uh, continue with the role playing. Maybe tonight you can pair up. Uh, So, Pastor Diva, if you could divide everyone up just into pairs. And then practice sharing your faith with one another as a role playing tonight. And also, I would like for you to uh, lead the other person in prayer of salvation, as we taught you last time. And Pastor Diva can help you with that. I, I like Romans chapter 10, 9 and 10 for that. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So we can lead someone in a prayer based on Romans 10, and uh, and they can find salvation in the Lord. And then, as part of the role playing tonight, uh, just take the next step and invite them to come to a Bible study or arrange uh, to uh, get together to talk more about the things of God so you can continue a mentoring relationship with them. And, and you know, mentoring, um, when I say mentoring relationship, um, it's a friendship. It's a friendship, you know. It's mentoring in the sense that, you know, you you maybe know some things that they don't, but it's not like, well, I'm the big shot and you're the little shot. No, you just help one another out, and you can probably learn things from them too, so... Uh, enjoy your relationships. Praise the Lord. So do your homework. Uh, if you have time tonight, do your quiz on this. I'll try to get the answer keys to you, Pastor Diva, so you can uh, follow through. The The quiz is not, you know, like, oh, we're going to have a big test. It's just a, uh, an aid to learning to help you get the right things that you need uh, from the lessons. So... Uh, How many got blessed tonight? Did you get something out of this tonight? All right. Praise the Lord. Well, I tell you what, it's been uh, such a joy to be with you once again. We bless you in the name of Jesus. And Father, I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to, to minister to your precious people. And I pray that you would take the words that I have spoken and take them even further in the hearts of those who have listened, Lord. That they would meditate on these things that their profiting would appear to all and that they would put them into practice in their daily life. And we just thank you, Lord, for the interactions that your people have with others during this coming week, that they would be fruitful and that you would begin to lead them and guide them how to minister to people, how to love people, how to be a friend to those that are out of the way. And uh, we just pray your blessing on those interactions and all their relationships and your blessing upon the church here in in, uh, Hyderabad that, Lord God, it would become powerful and strong for you. And, Lord, the world will never be the same because what you have done. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. God bless you, folks. Love you. Talk to you next week.